The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast. This is episode number 98. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is Helen Yee with Helen Yee Sports. And today's guest is the multi-time award-winning strength and conditioning coach, Mr. Phil DeRue. Thanks for coming in today. You said my name right this time. It took me, what, a year and a half to get <laughs> DeRue from you know, actually, Daru? And... Yeah, I mean, you could say Daru or Daru. Right, because like in the beginning, uh, you know, I, I kind of changed it a bit, but um, it was D A apostrophe capital R U, and people just kept messing it up so bad. So when I was in like grade school, I was just kind of like, all right, it's D A R U, D A R U, easy, you know. So, but you did good though, man. It's all good. You're the smoke, so you get passed. And you never ever corrected me. I know. As the I was schmo. just gonna say that. Like, you're good man. You, I let you ride when you <laughs> when you're on it, you're flowing. I'm like, I gotta let him flow. Because the first time we met were, was. Uh, I was cornering, um, I was cornering Sullivan Barrera. Here in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. Um, At the MGM? Yep. It was the, what was it? It was a Tyson fight. Um, and I forgot who he fought. He was on the main card, and then Sullivan was the co-main. And we met up there, and that was the first time. And I was like, this guy definitely knows what he's doing when it comes down to the interviewing. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you. And we've met up multiple times since then. Uh, we were just talking before the podcast was rolling about you having us over at your gym in Boca Raton and putting us through pretty pretty gruesome workout with the MMA guys and uh, you know having a great time with you there and have, uh, having a podcast on the road with you as well. And we're happy you're here in our studio here in Vegas now. I appreciate it, man. It looks great. looks great. I just walked in. I see all the things coming up, you know. I'm under construction. Under construction. <laughs> we got to wait for Forrest to do that, I guess. Yeah. So he's gonna Shout help out, out to Forrest. Man of many talents. Uh, but the podcast booth looks amazing, man. So congratulations. Appreciate it. And we were just talking um, before it was rolling that you'll be doing some work with Jeff Mayweather. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you've known him for quite a while now, right? Yeah, um, probably around, I think I first met him seven years ago, something like that, six or seven years ago. Um, he was cornering and helping coach King Mo the Wall. Oh. And so that's when we first met when Mo had a fight for Bellator. And I met him there, and then we just kept staying in touch. And now he works with my business partner now. My business partner is doing some pad work with him. And uh, so the thing was, like, I wanted to help Jeff, and he's got so much talent, so much knowledge and he's just a good guy, yeah. you know? So I decided, okay, we'll put together a strength and conditioning program and he'll do the skill side. And so that's coming out pretty soon, probably in the next couple months. And that's what brings you to Vegas, huh? Yeah, yeah, that, seeing you, obviously. <laughs> Want to see you guys, you know? You came over to my spot, so I had to come over here. And then uh, tomorrow night I'll be leaving. I'll be going to California. I got some things to do there too as well. Um, and then I'm back on the grind. We have, uh, my guys are back in training. Daniele uh, Sardinia, he's a boxer, one of my Italian boxers. He's fighting. He's defending his world title. And then Tyler Ray's about to get right back into camp. So is Jake Boswick. And then hopefully, you know, within the next couple months, we get something going for Dustin, and that'll be good to go. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because today I saw Nate Diaz tweet yeah. that he wants to be released. Like, sure. And I know the past few months, Dustin and Nate, like they express interest, at least online, they want to fight each other. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. I know that Dustin definitely wants that fight, but um, it really just depends. You know, it's, it's up to the UFC and up to Nate too as well. But I know Dustin, being what we talk about, he, he definitely wants that fight, you know. He's ready to go. He's been yeah. doing... He's still training out there. He always trains, you know, in Louisiana. And uh, he's been doing some off-camp programming with the strength and conditioning. So he's still in shape. And he's getting a little bigger. So we're building him back up. I think he wants to go to 170, but he can always cut back down to 155. It's, he's always in shape. And that's what makes it so interesting is because I know Nate wants that fight with Dustin. Dustin yeah. wants that fight with Nate. Yeah. And 
from the USC's perspective, I know Nate Diaz has one more fight left on his contract, but they probably want him to sign a more long-term deal mm -hmm. than finish out his contract. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what's stalling. I don't know. It's just speculation, but that's the fight they want. Yeah. Dustin's obviously expressed interest of fighting at 170. They do the fight at 170. They both have fought at 155. I just don't understand why can't that fight happen. I don't know either, man. I think that um, I want to say I don't want to speak out of turn, but I do know that Dustin is pushing for the fight. And what it looks like, Nate wants to fight too. So it, maybe it is on the UFC. You know, we never know. But hopefully they can get it done by July, I'm hoping. you know, That would be ideal yeah. too. With July 3rd is the uh, International Fight Week, right? Yep. Yes, sir. So that would be great to That'd do it there. That would be an epic, epic time. Sure. And they're going to have all the fans back. They're going to be yeah. having the convention center filled out with nice. UFC events. Nice. It's like old times. How's it? How's it now? It's it's been shut down a little bit. No, I would say everything's been back to normal the past yeah. couple of months. Because yeah. Florida, we're like the Wild West. We, <laughs> we do whatever we want. No rules. Yeah, he's like, everything's yeah. great except for the mosquitoes. I mean, we get eaten <laughs> That's alive facts, there. Yeah. Man, listen, I'll take the mosquitoes over this dry heat that you have here, right? For sure. Just baking in this hot sun, man. And it's it, like a sauna. It just—it is. is like a sauna. It just got hot, but it's. What do you prefer, a sauna or the steam room? That's what it comes down That's to when, when you're comparing the humidity Man, and the heat. I guess Dry because heat. I've I've lived there all my life, you know, and before that I was born in Hawaii, so again that's more tropical. And then yeah. moving over into Florida, and I'm like, well, I think when when I went to Alabama to play football. I was like, man, this is it's hot, but it's still humidity, you know. It's still, but it was no release. There was no like beach. I couldn't go to the beach, the pools. Forget about it, you know. And uh, I remember the first time coming to Vegas, and I'm like, where is the breeze at? And when the breeze hit me, I said, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I can't believe this. And and then I remember I was talking to King Mola Wall. And I was like, bro, this is terrible. This is terrible. But I do know that. He used to live there, and he lived in Clearwater for a long time, and he got used to it. So maybe if I move out here, I'll get used to it. Well, how old were you when you moved out of Hawaii? I was probably like two years old. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I was born in Maui, Hawaii. Wow. Yeah, my dad was in the Navy. Military? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we moved to Hollywood Beach, Florida, not Hollywood, California. Hollywood Beach, Florida. And uh, rough times when I was a kid, you know. Um, but I grew from that, and then uh, – we moved up and down Broward County, which is like Fort Lauderdale for anybody that doesn't know. And, um, you know, I was able to learn a lot, you know, as a young kid growing up, seeing some things that I shouldn't have seen maybe, but it allowed me to be stronger, be tougher, be smarter. And uh, now I'm here today, so have no regrets. For sure. And you have mm -hmm. a fighting career before you had a coaching career too. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I think you relate to with a lot of the fighters too. And I know you just don't coach MMA. You coach boxing, as you mentioned, bare knuckle with Boston. Yeah. We were at actually both, both your two guys were at the fights. We're at the BKFC event. Mm -hmm. And then we just saw Tyler in action at mm -hmm. Eagle FC yeah. had the decisive victory there. And he was there that day. We did the workout too. I mean, those Tyler, guys, yeah. those guys are machines. Yeah. Tyler's a specimen. Tyler's a specimen. Everybody thinks he's Dustin Poirier though. He looks like a bigger version of Dustin. <laughs> they does. do. Yeah. It kills me sometimes. Cause it's like, let them both do their own thing. Like, why do you always have to say this is Dustin, you know? And, and it's tough because, like, Tyler is an up-and-comer, you know, and he's very good. 170, yoked, he's, he's, he's strong. One of my strongest fighters, man. Like, between him and Jake Boswick are the two strongest fighters. But, again, it's like, calm down, guys. This is Tyler. This is DP. Like, this this. And rival gyms, though, too, right? Samford and American Top Team. I don't know True. if there's much of a rival, but it's like the same thing as Extreme Couture and Syndicate. They're really close. They have the cream of the crop in yeah. their specific regions. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say a little bit of a rivalry, but um, I think that's dead and gone, to be honest with you. There's a lot of guys that, that left there, left Top Team with the Samford, left Samford with the Top Team, so they go back and forth. But for the most part, both gyms, and I'm fortunate enough to be right in the middle of them, and I can work with those guys, you know, pretty consistently. I'm not working too much with a lot of people anymore. I'm crazy busy with businesses. And, again, I work with about seven guys and girls that I've worked with for, you know, roughly six to seven years, not including, um, not including Dustin Poirier. So with that, I'm looking more towards helping my coaches get more fighters. And now we're getting guys coming up from the amateur ranks and coming up in the regional scenes, and which is really cool because – we get to see them grow, you know, especially with the boxers, the young amateurs that are like 19, 20, and we know they're going to be multiple time world champions and we're working with them. And, and, and for us, 
they can still get to understand the systems and the methods and they'll grow up in those systems and methods so we don't have to teach them new tricks right they'll be able to progress accordingly and then when they're ready to be world champions well then we'll just turn it up a notch but you're working with some celebrities too timbaland do you have yeah. celebrity clientele kevin that you're james. helping kevin yeah, james yeah. kevin kevin's uh actually i was telling you he's uh he's my son's godfather so he's very close to me he's, he's a good friend really good friend and Tim, man, Tim, Tim's putting in work. We're actually going to put together a program, too, for him, um, an online program where everybody can, uh, can purchase it. But he has dropped 30 pounds uh, since January, so he's really putting in the work. That's and, uh, and doing it the right way, you know, you know, consistently dieting and making sure that we're keeping his macros and his calories in line. And he's training nonstop, you know. He's, but the good thing is that he's not running himself into the ground, too, as well. Tim is a guy who is very, obviously he's creative, right? Um, but he wants to do more and more, and I got to pull him back, almost like a fighter. And I found that with a lot of celebrities, too, they have that mindset, it's just in a different world, right? Whether it be music, movies, whatever. Um, you know, when we talk about elite fighters, they have that it factor. They have that ability to, like, push through pain and push through discomfort, so does the celebrities in the right ways, right? So they know that they have to get it done for a certain image, and they'll go above and beyond to get there, you know. The chosen few, you know, the ones that I like to train at least. <laughs> well, how many days do they train? Like, just curious about that. So um, with Tim, we work – I have him doing a five-day-a-week training split. And, you know, some of it's just like low-level aerobic training just for conditioning – um, and then just for calorie burn. And then we'll do three days of weight training. And in the beginning, I trained him now for about two years. Um, in the beginning, it was all body weight because we needed to redevelop his movement quality, right? And he also uh, works with, uh, with Dave Alexander down in Miami, and he worked with him for a long time. So Dave gave him a good base out of DBC. And Dave works with a lot of, like, high-end NBA guys and, and – and works with some celebrities too as well. And so I used to work with him at his house, just body weight. So we would do mobility, we would do just end range control stuff and making sure that he understood his body in movement under no load. And then in time, he was starting to understand his posture and his movement quality and his gait mechanics. And then from there, I was like, all right, now it's time. We need to step it up. We'll put some load on you. Maybe we'll do, you know, whether it be uh, weight vests or ankle weights or something like that and slowly progress it. Then we started to do, you know, I used to come to his house, and I lived about two and a half, three hours away from him. So it is a drive, and I was going there four or five days a week sometimes. And then after that, I would have to go back to my gym. So I would drive down to Miami, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drive, especially in Miami traffic, and then go back to Boca and train my fighters. But he put in the effort, so it was easy for me to get up and make that drive every day, you know. But now we're getting to a point where I'm able to strength train him like the right way and, and do it with uh, a good progression and undulate it when I need to and make sure that we auto-regulate accordingly just based upon, you know, fatigue management and things like that. So it is, it is good. And the great thing about it is that he has his diet on point, right? It's dialed in. And, and I also have his cook there, his chef that actually works with me with his macro. So that's always a good thing. So when you're training – all these clients, whether it's the celebrities or it's the fighters, how do you measure success? Is it, is it more than just the win and loss, the final result from, from a, a boxing match, an MMA fight, or just how they look in a film? What yeah. gives you success? How do you define that? I mean, the easy answer would be, yeah, they win the fight. You know, there's nothing really matters at the end of the day, and I know they don't care too much if they don't win the fight. For me personally, I want to see growth as an athlete. Right? I want to see increases in athletic performance, whether it be you know, things that we use for KPIs right? or you know, something that I can tell that he feels better in certain situations or she feels better in certain uh, scrambles or things like that. They feel strong in, in training even. That's always a successful win for me. But, yeah, at the end of the day, they need to win the fight. You know? And when it comes to celebrities, really it's getting a goal accomplished. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I want them to be happy. Because that's all we want. We just want to be happy. And if I can help them in any way possible with the talents that God has given me, then I'll do that. And so when you have a passion for 
the talent that you have and you acquire more skill with that talent, you increase your value and you're able to give that value to that individual that's putting their trust into you. How do you determine now being so busy that you are like who you want to train and who you really have time to train? How do I establish that? You said? Yeah. Or uh, determine that? I mean, for me now, it is just the people that have been with me the longest, honestly. Yeah. And that are loyal, you know, because I'm going to give you my all. And, I, and it's funny because I talk to one of my young coaches and I, and I coach and I mentor a lot of coaches. And I tell them all the time, like, if you're going to give your all into someone, make sure that they're giving their all back. And the ones that do that, the ones that been there and the ones that put in the work and put in the effort and follow the direction, that's who I keep with me. Now, I can't train everybody. You know, there's only enough time in the day. And then I have two other businesses. I'm a full-time father. I'm a husband, you know. So I have to do that too as well. And on top of that, I mentor over a 1,000-plus coaches now. Right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's a job in itself. That's something that I'm really passionate about now too as well. I'm actually <laughs> – and we were just talking off air. I'm actually getting into acting, believe it or not. I'm doing a short That's film awesome. with Dean Thomas. So that'll be out pretty soon. <laughs> Two guys that have great personalities. We just yeah. saw yeah. Dean over in London, ran yeah. into him while he's, you know, between the broadcast. He had a suit on and everything. Probably was getting lost finding the bathroom and, and the food. <laughs> you know, they always have the food in the media room and all everyone always, goes in there to, to grab. He was probably grabbing food. He's, he's grabbing too much food at this point. I saw that <laughs> belly the other day, man. We got to get him back. He's, he's coached me since I was 19. He was my first MMA coach. So we always have a good dynamic, you know, and he's been on my podcast multiple times. And we actually did a short film together a long time ago. He's been doing acting and comedy and um, improv for a long time, even since I was fighting. So he would coach us and then go to – I didn't even know this, but he would go to improv practice. And I was like – why is he doing that? And like back then the 23, 22 year old me was like, why is he doing that? And now I understand he's just trying to challenge himself, you know, and do things that he loves. And so for me, it's a new challenge, but I'm in front of the camera all the time. I have a podcast, I have a YouTube channel, and it allows me to venture out and kind of show my charisma and show like some things that, some more talent that I may have. Is that a film coming out this year? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, we're probably going to make it a series and I'll put it on I'll put it on the YouTube channel too as well. And then who knows? We'll see what happens. Comedic comedic base or what? No, no, no. I'm playing a crooked cop. Okay. Oh. Yeah, he's playing my partner. That sounds fun. Oh, he's, yeah, that's yeah, great. It's going to be suspense, thriller. The white and black cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 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 a little bit out of my mind, so We'll see what happens, but it's going to be a good one. I'm digging the glasses, by the way. Yeah. No, look, are they prescription or look, are they I look just smart? Pres- no, I look smart. Uh, no, honestly, um for like with my with my light eyes like the sun kills me so i don't like to wear sunglasses all the time and, and even lights like this hurt my eyes i don't know why maybe i mean years of years of fighting i don't know what it is but it definitely like the glare of the of the of the light i'll do it with my podcast i'll do it sometimes when i'm in uh in studio that helps but yeah are, and i look cool with this ray bands you know yeah <laughs> but are those the ones that get darker as yeah. you go outside yeah yeah oh yeah yeah that's cool. I mean, a part of the reason that I love the Schmo glasses so much is for the reasons you just said, mm-hmm. especially when you're in a bright setting, the blue blockers, they yes. really help diffuse the light situation. Yeah, I only had three hours sleep today. Oh, so, yeah, because yeah. you had the cross-country flight. Yeah, I got up at 3, um, went to bed at like 11, 12, yeah, something like that. And, uh, yeah, I got up, got here. I got here like 12, 11, 20 something like that so it was three hours behind yeah it's really it, it it really is what is it like seven o'clock now probably yeah in florida i feel like the most brutal flights are the cross-country ones man overseas going to singapore australia that's yeah. a whole nother world yeah. london when we went there yeah, london, yeah but london. even singapore and london or in uh australia yeah, i bigger. did i did a seminar uh i did i did a seminar both in australia and singapore and i needed a day i actually needed a couple of days and this is when i was younger now i'm probably gonna need a week uh, to recover just from the flight, you know. I remember bringing my wife with me, and that was an, that was an accident. I shouldn't have did that. <laughs> I mean, she loved it. Don't get me wrong, but that flight she was not ready for. We were on the we were on the plane for like, I think it was like eleven hours, and she like knocked out as soon as she got on the plane. She woke up at the like eleventh hour, and the flight attendant gets on the gets on the teleprompter like, we got about sixteen more hours to go. She's like, what the. F- this is this is ridiculous. She started screaming. I'm like, 
calm down. Like, everybody's sleeping. This is, we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Like, like <laughs> Where are you going to land? Yeah, Where are you going like, to go? Oh, never again, man. But, no, she, she's a trooper now. She understands the process. But the first time was definitely a, a mission. I was ready for it because I went to Australia already. So I was like, all right, let me just get up, move around. And I don't sleep on planes. I can't. So I'm up the whole time. So either I'm, I'm, But I get a lot of work done. I get a lot of work done. Yeah, he likes to work on flights, too. But I sleep, too. Yeah. yeah, you sleep but in. I don't know if it was rolling or talking about this too. That day we did the workout with you, mm-hmm. um, five hour flight right after we did the workout from mm-hmm. you know Fort Lauderdale back to Vegas. Uh, we did a lot of lower back, a lot of squats, a lot of work with those sliders. And uh, man, yeah. my back froze up completely midway through the flight. I'm like, I can't sit like this anymore. I can't yeah, even move. Tough. And I was literally limping for like. You weren't, drink, you weren't <laughs> drinking a lot of water either. No, I was yeah. way dehydrated. And I was in the oh, schmo suit, which uh, always <laughs> takes, <laughs> takes ex- excess water out of me. That was amazing, though, by the way. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, You're very he aerodynamic. Works hard. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. He pushed it. He was training yeah. right alongside professional fighters, and yeah. doing all the things that they would do inside a camp, not an off-camp training. And honestly, off-camp is just probably even worse. But in-camp is like more explosive, and and again, like we're doing, we're do, I think we're doing dynamic effort. So there's a lot of like fast, explosive, and then repeat over and over and over and over again. And then we did some conditioning at the end, which definitely got him. We got to make a content series out of that. We'll still yeah. figure out a way yeah. to do something with man, that. I got a bigger gym, man. We could do more. We'll you know? do more. We'll flip some tires, you know. Maybe do some stones, like some Atlas stones. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah Put some cool. tacky on those arms. It might might wipe away some of that some of that skin, but it's all good. Don't worry. It's You'll okay. It's okay. Oh, yeah. don't show wax. him your finger. Right I, well, he, no, he already did. He oh. already did. Listen, I, I've been through it. I know it. This, they get them occasionally, but yeah. this one, this one, um, I just needed to pop. Yeah, man. <laughs> It's so gross. Not for me. Looks like a cartoon figure. Yeah, it's yeah. it's close enough to it yeah. as well. Man, I'll tell you I'll tell you a staff story that I had I think I was uh I, I turned pro that year and I was training a lot, you know, two sometimes even three times a day. And so there was no time off and I got some tattoos, obviously. I got a lot of tattoos, obviously. And I got one tattoo on my wrist and I needed to train. I had a fight coming up. And so I got the tattoo and Dumbass me, went right to training right after that. And as soon as I got, I felt it and it popped up and I was like, damn. And it was like a hole in my wrist. Yeah. And then on top of that, I had got a haircut. So very dumb, by the way. Never do this. If you guys are young fighters, don't get your haircut and don't get a tattoo and then go train, especially on mats with a lot of sweaty other guys, right? And uh, yeah, so I had a. I had two staph infections, one on my head oh, and one no. on my wrist at the same time. I'll talk about yeah. trouble. That was killing me. Which one was worse? My head. Oh, <laughs> my head. Yeah. It was like two of them, and I couldn't even see it. My girlfriend at the time was like picking it out. I was like, oh, stuffing it. I'm like, oh, it's terrible. It was terrible. Disgusting. Uh, disgusting. <laughs> but, but speaking of head and hair, I just want to say that this, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bluemont. I know you're growing out your hair, getting so, that Viking look. This is... Mm-hmm. The best hair product I've had to date. They have their discovery kit. They have all different styles for all different textures of your hair. It doesn't smell. It feels good. If you don't know which one you like, it's always good to get the discovery kit. But, um, you know, the Blue Mon original, this one might be good for oh, you to man, try out. You. They got their cloud control for the oils. I know you're oh, looking forward yep, to that, too. Definitely, definitely. They're good stuff, man. Okay. Yeah, the, you know, what I hate about gel or hair paste and stuff like that is mm-hmm. that usually smells after a few hours in your hair, and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I can't wait to get it out. I've fallen asleep with this stuff in my hair. It's good. Really? I like the nice. fifth sample. I appreciate it, man. Of course. Check them out. Bluemon.com. Use the promo code SHMO. Get 10% off, and uh, you won't be disappointed. Man, you did that very well, by the way. Good segue into it. I mean, I will learn from you. I, it's, I, I only will back products I use. No, for sure. You have to, you have, because it's, it's, it's not authentic at that point. No, no. And I've always, I've turned a lot of people down with like sponsors and stuff. And like, I'm like, I I just can't do it. He knows. He's like, this ain't it. You know, I can't do it. I can't front. But this right here. Test it out. Let me know what you think of it. Let me know what you think about it. Mm -hmm. I did want to ask you something too, because just when it comes to lifestyle, when it comes to just, athletes there's it's always hard to deal with different personalities and stuff in the gym Mm -hmm. you spent a lot of time in american top team everyone's talking about this colby covington or hey masvidal feud they just fought and then Mm -hmm. it was like a week ago in a miami bar or found out where colby was he came out there punched him a few times in the face Mm -hmm. rested there's some sort of legal situation but like 
how the hell did we get to this point? Because I know you were training or you were working at American Top Team when mm -hmm. those two were at a time were best friends and probably yeah. training together on a daily basis. It's unfortunate, you know. Um, I wish both of them well, honestly. Um, it's very hard to see because you know how close they were, you know. And I, I was blessed enough to train both of them for a short amount of time, Kobe more so, um, and just watching them grow. And, and man, like, Masvidal is a legend, honestly. He's been in the game since before I started fighting. I remember Bulldog fights. You guys don't even remember that. Like old bulldog fights back in the day when, I mean, he fought everybody, everybody in Florida, Miami. So to see him, you know, have to deal with that situation and and go through that, it's it's unfortunate for sure. And you don't want that to tarnish his reputation. You don't want that to tarnish his legacy. He's a he's a tremendous fighter, outstanding individual. I I wish him nothing but. Love and respect and uh, hope he, you know, gets out of this one. Kobe, you know, at the end of the day, one of the best athletes, fighters in the world. We know that, you know, even though he talks a lot and we know why. And Kobe is a super nice guy, in my opinion, what I know about him. Is it know? too far, though? Because he obviously has brought, brought personal things. Sure, and it's not yeah. just Jorge. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's Dustin, too. He's bringing family involved. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate, too. And Dustin's like a brother, so, like. I stay out of that stuff, you know. Um, I know how Dustin feels, and but Kobe, you know, Kobe's gonna do what he needs to do in a, in a way, unfortunately, to try to get people to to follow him, either love him or hate him, you know. Um, but I know Dustin definitely is not a fan, you know. And at the end of the day, I'm gonna ride with my guy, but um, you know, it, it is what it is. It's it's the show, you know. Everybody knows it's a show, um, but yeah, unfortunately, it has to come to that, you know, and. and you don't want people to to stoop down to that level a lot of times, you know. But teachers on everybody's, in my opinion, is great, you know. And do they have to do that? And they feel like they have to do that? I don't know because I'm not in their shoes. So we can't say like, all right, Kobe, why are you doing this? I wouldn't do this. Well, you're not in his shoes. Now I wouldn't say this about a man and a man's family ever. But again, Kobe had to do what he had to do, you know. Now at the same time. Dustin is my boy, so I'm gonna ride whatever he, you know, feels he needs to do. If he wants to fight him, if he doesn't want to fight him, whatever. I don't necessarily think he has to, you know, as far as in the octagon, you know what I mean? Whatever happens there. I think that they need to settle it, you know, hopefully they can. But I know how it is and the same thing with Connor, you know, it was a little it was a little weird. You know, I remember the fight we went to when we were there. Yeah. We saw you afterwards. It's just it's just awkward. You know what I mean? Like you you're stooping down to that level. I wish no man would have to do that, you know, but when you're in there, you really can't say anything because you're not them. You're not that person, you know, that had to go through that situation. And you don't know what they're feeling at that time. So it is, like I said, it is unfortunate, but we don't want to speculate. And you can't point your finger and say, this guy's a bad guy. You don't know them personally, you know. The only ones that know that is the man above and, and them themselves. But when you did work with Colby, mm -hmm. What was that experience like? It was good. It was good. Yeah. He, he's a hard worker. Um, definitely a great athlete. Great gas tank. We know that. Very has great endurance. You know, um, and he was a good, good, you know, good guy. Very res respectful. Uh, when I met him, every time he come to me, how you doing, coach? Having a good day, stuff like that. So it was always cool, man. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's tough to see, you know. But um, I think when it comes down to it, I'm hoping that when it's all said and done, you know, he can come to his senses a little bit and, and you know, try to, I don't know, make amends with a lot of guys, you know. But at the end of the day, who knows? That's that's him. Were there, like, signs of things going south, too? Because obviously with the, the Brazil situation, there's a lot of, you know, Portuguese-speaking Brazilians mm -hmm. that train at the gym and everything like that. Like, did you sense awkwardness, like a shift at times as things were unfolding? No, not really. Not really. I mean, he said what he said, but... We, we knew why, you know what I mean? He had to make his name, you know? And if he wasn't going to do that, if he didn't do that, then he probably would have got cut, Yeah. you know? But I'm not I'm not sticking up for Kobe. That's not what I'm doing here. And I'm, I'm playing I'm, I'm playing both sides of the fence. Like, I'm, I'll tell you right now, you know, I'm not on one side or the other. The one thing I will say is that I'm not a part of American Top Team anymore. I, I you know, I left there two years ago. And um, at the end of the day, I had my best years 
one of my best years at, as a coach there. I worked with a lot of great people, you know, and um, now moving on, I feel better doing things that I love to do. And I'm working with other individuals outside of ATT, outside of MMA even, which is awesome for me, you know. But with the with all that, you know, I, I again, it, it with me being who I am and my faith, I don't want to see anybody hurt. And I'm talking about the stuff that goes on outside of the cage because you sign up for that. That's what you do as a profession. But anything else outside of that, let's cut that out, you know, hopefully. And there are so many people that thought it was just an act or a show. It was like they were in it together. They're just both trying mm -hmm. to make more money and hype up the fight. They didn't, they're so, I, I can't believe I saw and I read that people thought that the beef was not real, that there was, yeah. it was just all for show. Yeah, no, I guess it wasn't, right? <laughs> no, for sure. But yeah, that's just the interesting part about the whole dynamic is like, you know, when is it too far? Because I think at that Eagle FC event, I was able to interview Dan Lambert. It was mm -hmm. before Jorge punched Colby outside that Miami restaurant. And he kind of just said, it's just talk. Talk mm -hmm. is talk. Like he comes from that wrestling world and he didn't seem to be too bothered by the talk understanding where it came from but you know then you hear other people say look the second you bring up children and you bring up family it's on site yeah and that's so i'm hearing mixes from both worlds it's just like what a, what a shitty situation it really is yeah yeah i mean I, like i said i wish both of them the best but you know at the end of the day my only ties to att honestly at the end of the day is just dustin you know what i mean and you know like i said i had a great run there and i wish all of them well every one of them and even as a gym itself. But um, when it comes down to both of both of those two individuals, with they're both very great fighters, you know, and when I met them and when I was able to have, you know, work with them slightly, you know, it was all love, you know, and it was all good. Like everybody respected each other, but, you know, unfortunately we're in a world where like a lot of times that talk will help you sell more tickets, you know. And with Dustin though, do you think that his next fight will be at 170 or will it be at 155? I hope so. You know, um, it's a lot easier for him at 170. You know, he doesn't have to worry about the weight cut. Um, and he never really does, but it is still in the back of your mind, especially as a fighter. You know, the first fight really is, is the scale. You know, so we want to we wanna eliminate that stressor and allow him to, to fight where he wants to fight. Really, it's, it's the fights that he wants to have. That's and what he's in the position for, yeah, having the yeah. fights that he wants to have. Yeah, I mean, he's done a lot in the sport. He's, I think it's like over 10 years in Zufa. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that has been done. He's fought for the title multiple times now, fought arguably the, one of the most popular fighters in the world do you think, twice, do you three think, times. Do you yeah. think that he has to fight him again, or you think that that chapter's no, closed? I think, it's, I think it's closed, you know, um, and I don't even think either of them really want the fight anymore. I think after the way it all went down and Connor's on the canvas, Joe Rogan goes and sits down, crouches next to him, and then he's talking about his wife and all that, I think to me that's when it was completely over. Yeah. Even if the, the gamesmanship and the sportsmanship, if Dustin even felt any remorse or sympathy that, you know, fractured his leg and sure. DQ'd, it's all out there, and yeah. he wins the fight. Once he sunk to that level, you know, yeah. I could see Dustin just saying, fuck this, I don't want to be involved with this type of nonsense anymore. Yeah, I mean, that was basically it, you know, because he's not that type of guy. Yeah. He doesn't really like to stoop down to that level. He's not the one to play games, especially with his family. So when that happened, I was like, yeah, this is this is done. You know, <clears throat> he, he understands, like, the showmanship. He understands, like, building up a fight. But that was taking it a little too far, you know. And, and again, we don't know how they're feeling at that particular time. You just broke your – was it his uh, fibula and his his tibia? Yeah, both, right? I think both were shattered. Fractured both of them. Yeah, you're sitting there, your legs like linguini, and like, what do you do? You know what I mean? And I mean, I guess to say he's still a warrior. He's still up there doing all, doing an interview with his leg like halfway off. I was. I mean, I know it's Connor. I know he's a star, but I'm just still surprised you shove a microphone in his face in that situation. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, I, I don't know if he like was like, come on, let me talk, you know, but you know how he is. But yeah. Yeah, it was, I was there, I was front row seeing it and live and in color. It was, it was crazy. 
how would you train? Would you train Dustin at all differently if you know the next fight's at one seventy versus one fifty five? With with the game plan, yeah. and everything, I imagine. Yeah, we w- we would be able to train a little bit more deeper into camp. We would do a little bit more. Uh, when I say frequency, a lot more times in the gym, weight training wise, um, be able to strength train him a little bit heavier, um, and then also allow him to uh, train with good fuel. You know, which is definitely going to be good. You guys know that too, being athletes, right? You need to have an energy source. More her than me. I'm just a schmathlete. <laughs> a lot of carbs. <laughs> a lot of carbs, right? But at the end of the day, when you're cutting weight, it's very hard to put that in. So yeah. he's depleted, and then when you get closer to the fight, you're really running on empty. So it, I had to really down down regulate a lot of the training, getting closer to the fight, and that's been that for years. Now we don't have to do that when he's walking around say 185 190 uh, that's pretty heavy so i say 183 185 usually and he can cut it down there and be comfortable and still fuel his body all the way up into you know two to one week out from the fight 183 185 walking around yeah i would say that's usually when he starts camp he's about on the heavier side be 183 182 and then if he comes in a little lighter he'll be about 179 like what we mentioned earlier, we obviously know that he wants to fight with Nate. Mm-hmm. But if that's if that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. who would make sense? And if he wants to fight at 170? I don't know. I don't know. I know that that Nate fight really excites him because yeah. he's a fan of Nate. You know, he's been a fan of the brothers for a long time. They're, they're true fighters, obviously. So I really don't know. Um, I would like to see him fight anybody in the top. 15 obviously maybe the top 10 it's a tough it's a tough division there you know Usman's a killer and but at the end of the day I just want to see him happy so if anything you know anything that's going to allow him to make some money and get up for the fight you know and and so even if he has to go back down to 155 to do that so be it and we just got to see we got to weigh out the options but Nate right now if not that then he'll probably take and I'm I don't want to speak out of turn for him but maybe take a little bit more time off, maybe build the body up, and then maybe do 170 somewhere around, you know, August or something like that. And I was there in Atlanta when he got the interim championship belt. He yeah. beat Max Holloway. Man, I was screaming so loud. 236. My... Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I lost my voice and everything, man. It was so crazy. Because I know how much hard work he puts in, you know, and just he's closer to me than a lot of other guys, you know, when it comes to, like, training. And he's been with me since the beginning, you know, and that's one of the guys that stayed loyal yeah, through and through. So I give my all to him. He gives his all back. And to see him just get that, that title wrapped around his waist and just to see him scream with, like, excitement and joy, I screamed right around with him. I, I wasn't there. I was screaming in my house. I think I woke up my son, and he what was the dad. He was like, I think he was like four or five years old at the time. He's like, did Dustin win? I was like, yeah, he won, man. So it was cool, man. I, I love seeing that. That's something that excites me as a coach. Because you could kind, of, kind of live vicariously through your fighters in a lot of ways. And, and for me, and a lot of coaches say this, I know, but you get more nervous, you know, as a coach watching your guy fight than you ever did as a fighter, you know, in a lot of ways. Because you can control most of it, right? But you can't control anything when that cage door closes or they step through the ring. You don't know what's going to happen. So nerves come and... It's like a big relief when when they get that win. And I just remember how elevated he was after that fight and how you could see, like, he had some sort of weight off his shoulders. Like, it was such a satisfying feeling, you know, the paid in full, the 25 minutes, that you can sense all of that. Mm -hmm. But that he also knew in the back of his mind that, you know, this isn't the official real deal. I'm still going to end up going and fight Khabib, which he did in Abu Dhabi and everything. So that leads me to to ask you this question because you know him so personally. Do you think he will feel fully satisfied if he ends up, you know, hanging it up and not having that, you know, unified gold strap? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, he definitely wanted it. He wanted it when he fought Khabib. He wanted it when he fought Oliveira. But I think he's, he's I don't want to say complacent, but he's happy with where he is. He has a great family. You know, he has a great life. And like I said, it comes back to being happy. So, yeah, you may not be that guy that, you know, wins that title or whatever the case, but you have a great career. You're a legend in the game. You've done a lot of great things. You beat a lot of good people, a lot of great people, you know, and you solidified 
your position and you made your mark in the sport. So no matter what, doesn't matter. I think for him, his legacy is stamped in history and nothing can change that. It's so hard to be a top five fighter in the mm -hmm. highest organization of mixed martial and arts. And to remain top five. And to five. remain yeah. for year after year and fight the cream of the crop. You gotta be the best in the world at this yeah. thing. You yeah. know, and imagine like there's a lot of great fighters out there, a lot of great fighters. And you're consistently, that's why Khabib was so great. That's, you know, that's why I think Uzma is gonna be another great, great one, you know, when he retires. They're just so consistent and so, like they always improve. They always progress. They're so skillful and they understand the game and they don't let anything bother them. They, they block out the noise, like Dustin likes to say. And they're coachable. Yeah, that's always a good thing as a coach, you know. Um, fortunately, like, you know, I'm, I'm able to coach some guys that are very coachable, but there are some people that, that you know when they have it and they don't have it, you know. And sometimes you got to have, like, an intervention and be like, listen, you got to change a lot of things here. Otherwise, you're not going to make it to the top. And I know that because I've literally trained over 200 elite fighters within the span of 10, I would say, 8 to 10 years. You know, and they all have a similar attribute when it comes to it. And they have a look in their eye, and they know what they want. They're very driven, and they take the steps in the right direction. They're very ritual-orientated. They have habits that can't be broken, and those goals are aligned with those habits. And that's with any successful person that I've ever had contact with, including myself, because you have to have that. You have that. You have that. You know, that's why we vibe together. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But between the bare-knuckle fighters, the boxers, the MMA fighters, when you sense that they're missing something, who takes it the hardest and who takes it the easiest of those groups of fighters? Oh, it's hard, man. You know, because cause with bare knuckle, they're kind of converted right yeah. now. There's no real homegrown bare knuckle fighter. That's right. You know, they're so, coming from both worlds, MMA yeah, or boxing. Yeah. And more so MMA because it's an easier transition, I think. You know, I watched Chad Mendez fight. Um, yeah, the last we, fight, yeah. right? Um, the transition, man, he did phenomenal. But we knew that. We knew that was good. Jimmy happen. Rivera's now coming over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so crazy. Like watching these guys. And I, the one thing that they're going to have to get used to is, is the hands. Like, the the breaks that's the, what mike perry said yeah. when he fought julian lane it's like i i just my, my knuckles i just couldn't keep hitting him anymore yeah. he just wanted to it's painful. not that it, it's painful yeah. to punch him and in imagine face. you have and you still have that adrenaline going and you still feel it mm. it's tough man and but and if you hit hard you you can't help it you know and you hit him right and i remember i think chad mendez said his first time he hit him he was like oh man he shook his hand out you know and he hit him hard too you know, so it takes a, a certain type of individual. I think, you know, even if, like Jake had a, he's had a two fight skid, but he's made for this. You know, yeah. even if he doesn't win, it's always an entertaining fight. Yes, you know, I was gonna I mean? say he's always moving forward. Yeah. yeah, and so he's made for it in a certain way, like entertaining wise. He's always gonna be there. You know, he's always gonna put his foot there, and and you know, what how they what do they say? Toe the line. He's toe always line. gonna toe the line. You know, and. uh I think he has a. I think he has a future outside of the sport in entertainment more so than anything. If you ever, if you guys ever watch him on on social media, he's funny as hell. You know, the guy from London, tattoos everywhere. Um, brutal Boswick is his Instagram, so make sure you check him out. All the way up to the to the jawline. To the jawline, head, and everything. You see his dad. His dad's even more covered. He was with me uh, at the fight. He was cornering with me, and he's even more crazy. But uh, but super nice guy. The, the whole family's awesome, you know. But again. That's a fighting family, you know? That was a fun event. That was yeah. our first uh, BKFC event mm -hmm. we attended, too. And, I mean, they said that was the highest sell sellout crowd that they had in that, that venue yeah. to date. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. The Hard Rock. The Hard Rock it. Seminole. They did it. Yeah, they did, it. did a great job. I was I was uh, happy for David, man, you know, and, and what he's accomplished so far. They got a lot going for him. Like I said, what we talked off air is, like, if they find a way to bring in some elite guys, BKFC that is BKFC, yep. yeah, and 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 work on their technique, work on their defense. They'll have longevity. But right now, you're getting a lot of lacerations, a lot of hand breaks, so you're gonna need to bring in more skill, and that's gonna allow that sport to grow. Because right now, the life expectancy of a bare knuckle fighter isn't that long. Yeah, you know. And wasn't it just announced they'll be going to London? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what. What date? Maybe August. Or something but like could that? we see oh, Jake on that card? I'm hoping. 
we're all we're all lobbying for that. So David, if you're listening, let's get Jake Boswick going there against uh, Julian Lane for and, number two. And Paige Van Zandt's coming back yeah. for that fuck fight card. I heard Paige is the headliner. Had the headliner. Yeah, yeah okay. that'd be cool. It's good, man. I, I'm yeah. I'm excited for it. You know, boxing. Um, you know, boxers are, are a little bit more. They're different than MMA and and bare knuckle boxing because they started so early. You mm-hmm. know, they started at seven years old. They grew up in the gym. So when you tell them like you don't really have it, it's like what, what do I do now? You know, and I never I'm never like you don't have it. It's over. I'm never like that. Obviously, it's not my place anyways. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. But when I tell them like, listen, you got to have a mindset that's in line with top level guys, you know, and I train multiple world champions in boxing too. Maureen Shea's two-time world champion. You know, Salomon Barrera's a world champion. You know, Daniele Scardina's a world champion. These they, they all have it in them. You know, they always want to train harder. They always want to train smarter, right? They want to find the new details on how to get better and how to, you know, uh, manage their fatigue and things like that and recover properly. And that's something that you don't see with a lot of young fighters. They just want to get after it. That's the problem that you have. It's like you have to be smart too as well and train hard. As far as recovery though, what's your favorite recovery method? Nothing beats quality sleep and nutrition. Something that I suck at with quality sleep. I get good nutrition, though. That's one thing. But, you know, for me, I'm not a fighter anymore, so it's all good. That's this guy wants me to do a YouTube fight, by the way. He was talking oh, about it. YouTube yeah, he wants. Listen, they got to pay me a lot of money to do that. <laughs> nah, but um, I'm not going to get back in the ring unless I'm. Well, you're going no to the right place. Out? The Mayweather. I feel like that uh, Mayweather gym yeah, is the right yeah, conversation yeah. starter well, for that. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. He's, he's always trying to push me to do something, man, but. Yeah, I mean, with 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 those guys, you know, um, the the most the most important thing is to get their nutrition on point. And then after that, you know, we have a sauna in the gym now, so we have a, a infrared sauna, which definitely helps. The infrared light, um, ice baths are good for a number of reasons. Like we don't like to do it after like a heavy strength session or like a hypertrophy session if we're trying to build guys up because it's it stunts the uh, process of building. Um, but ice baths are really good for anti-inflammation, so we want to bring down the inflammation at a lot of times, especially after a sparring session or something like that. Creatine also has helped a lot too as well, especially for brain trauma, right? So they have a bunch of studies on that, traumatic brain injury, the onset. I drink a lot of water. Well, that's that's without saying. So that's the last thing I was going to say, so that's why I got my water right here. Um, Hydration, right? I mean, uh, electrolytes, right? Definitely is something key. I, I like Element. Element T is... One of the easiest ones, and I'm not saying that because they sponsor me, but that's true. I really, I really use it. All my fighters use it, um, but it has all the things that you need in there from electrolyte balance. So when it comes to magnesium, potassium, sodium, we want to have a good matrix. You want to have a good mix. And it's very simple. You throw it in the water, and there you go. So that, and then you accompany that with uh, with massage therapy, some grasping techniques if you have some like you know tight bound up muscle, and um, lastly. We like to do little small workouts in between hard training sessions. So whether that be aerobic running, right, get, to get blood flow, or light uh, weightlifting, right? And that's going to be something like, you know, just like a pump session. You just want to get blood flow. So nothing strenuous, like when we call an RPE or rate of perceived exertion. You guys know this. You know what RPE is. For your listeners, RPE is rate of perceived exertion, a 1 to 10. A 10 being can't do any more. It's your last dying breath. A one being you're not doing anything primarily. So we want to stick between a five and a six, right, and keep blood flow going. That'll help with recovery because, again, you're getting those nutrients pumped to the working tissue. Earlier in the podcast, you said KPI. Define that for our listeners, too. A key performance indicator. Now, it's good for business, and it's good for strength and conditioning. It's good for anything, really. You have to have a good KPI in anything you do. Exactly. So I like to have that list accordingly, and we use that as a means to understand where we're progressing or where we're regressing based upon the testing and assessments that we do. And a big thing you said earlier in the podcast, too, about your clients and a big goal is you just want them to be happy. And I think that's what we all can control in our lives, you know, at the end of the day. And I think that's a really good note to end our podcast on is like everyone lives their lives going through the motions, you know, doing what they think they need to be doing. But the one thing that cannot be overlooked or neglected is your happiness because that's the one thing you can control and at the end of the day no one can live your life for you Mm -hmm. and if you're not happy or finding ways to be happy Mm -hmm. what really is the purpose of all this you know you got to find your purpose 
Yeah. Like you truly have to find your purpose. How you define your purpose is on you. I know how I define mine. Um, being religious, being Catholic, I know how I define my purpose. At the end of the day, I'm living through that. And I'm using those talents that God has given me to work my purpose, right? And to know and to love God, to bring people to that, to use what I've had, what I've, what I've gained as far as a skill set. And that's passion for me. So I don't look for the apparent good all the time. I mean, sometimes, you know, like, you know, I want this, I want that, sometimes. But if you really think about it, right, you really don't want anything outside of what you feel is going to be whole for you unless you're looking at outside things. So if you look at, oh, that car is really nice. I just saw it drove by. I like that car. I want that car. But that car never drove by. You probably wouldn't say you wanted that thing. True. Right? Or even like on Instagram, if exactly, yeah, people like post their mm-hmm. lives or. I know plenty of people, plenty of successful people that are not even on on social media. They live in the woods, and they're happy as can be. They have really, they're very minimal, but they're happy, and they have no outside distractions. It's crazy that you know it doesn't have to be a materialistic thing. It doesn't have to be yeah. measured by mm-hmm. dollar bills or dollar signs or social media metrics. Mm-hmm. It's just by what you have and maybe it's sunshine and maybe mm-hmm. it's just yeah. a, a nice comfortable pair of shoes that you could walk on and go on a hike with it, it. everyone defines it differently but as long as you have it and like I think you nailed it too with having a purpose but uh, happiness is a big thing for me and yeah, that's why it, it resonates well because we need that if you're not happy why are you doing it mm-hmm. so you always should have some introspection to really understand why you're doing stuff have some self-awareness and then go after the things that you are passionate about. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's a damn good way to end things on, for sure. Anything you want to say? Uh, we appreciate you coming on and thank finally you. being able to come to our studio. Yeah, thank because you. Because we've been to your incredible gym. Mm-hmm. For all your fans, mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like fans. to fans let them know <laughs> followers or whatever you want to call it i don't think i have any fans by the way but the guys that follow me and want to see some of my stuff it's um i have a social media obviously instagram is daru strong twitter is daru strong my website is daru very simple and my youtube channel i put out a lot of information there too as well phil daru strong so check me out i have programs if you're a coach you want to learn more mentorship program like i said and and we got some good programs coming out, online programs, if you can't come out to my gym in Boca Raton. So. And your film. Yes, that's coming out. I, I can't say too much about <laughs> okay. it. Okay. But it's definitely going to be good. Um, I'm putting my all into it, like I always do with everything that I do. And I'm really going in, man. I'm studying, studying actors. I'm studying roles. I'm, I'm studying, like, different ways to say things, charisma, all that. It's going to be good. I'll keep tabs on you with that, yeah. for yeah. sure. Episode 98. We are out.